Hello, and welcome to the Banker podcast series, Banking Under Pressure, exploring how the financial services industry is coping with the COVID-19 pandemic. In this series, the Banker's editors are interviewing industry experts from around the world to gather insights and advice on specific challenges, best practice and innovations that can help banks and their customers manage during these difficult times. I'm Marie Kemplay, the Banker's Investment Banking and Capital Markets Editor. And in this podcast, I'm joined by Andrea Vismara, Chief Executive of Italian Independent Investment Bank Equita, to talk about the outlook for European investment banking. And firstly, thank you for joining me today, Andrea. Thank you, Marie. Good afternoon. Um, And before we dive into the details, perhaps you could give us a brief introduction to to Equita. Uh, Sure. Well, as you perfectly defined it, Equita is an independent investment bank. It's probably the oldest one that has been around for almost uh, 47 years. Um, We do the typical things that uh, investment banks do. A lot of uh, sales and trading, both shares and bonds. Um, A lot of um, corporate finance advisory and uh, equity capital markets, so new issues for corporates, uh, bond issues, and a little bit of uh, asset management. We are listed on the Milan Stock Exchange. Uh, uh, The majority is owned by the management, by ourselves. So we are um, fully independent and we have been particularly active in um, um, in promoting, I would say, uh, really the, the, the need of uh, institutional investors and talking to institutional investors, speaking to them about uh, Italian and European companies. And that's always been our, our, our DNA, really. That, that's what we really uh, do for a living. Great. And, and you recently co-hosted an event with Milan's Bocconi University looking at the health of European investment banking. So let's start there. You know, can you talk us through what you've, you see as some of the main challenges facing the European investment banking sector? Well, the, the European investment banking is facing uh, many challenges. Marie. The first one is that the, the, the sector itself has been shrinking somehow due to a number of uh, factors, technology, passive investing, uh, regulation, um, you know, overall, uh, there's no doubt that revenues associated with uh, sales and trading and also with um, uh, typical corporate finance advisory have somewhat decreased uh, over the years. Um, and part of the reasons why this has affected in European investment banks uh, particularly is that uh, American and global investment banks have been very, very successful at uh, gaining market share, gaining ground in Europe. Uh, particularly assisting large corporates, large investors, capturing the uh, high margin part uh, of the business. Um, and this, is, this has happened because um, they obviously start from a, a very concentrated and profitable home base. Um, it's obviously the US are a huge market, very profitable. So it's been uh, relatively easy and they have been very successful at investing their time and effort in Europe, starting from a, a very profitable base and at gaining market share in, 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 the, in our continent. Um, and this had uh, as a further impact, you know, further to the other factors that I was mentioning, that the highest margin business uh, has really gone mostly to the uh, US banks uh, and European banks, that we, as we all read, uh, have been gradually dismantling part of their traditional investment banking activities. So uh, one bank decides to uh, um, shut down their fixed income activities. The other one decides to uh, get rid of their equities business. Um, and this has been happening for, for 10 years. Uh, and the COVID crisis has somewhat accelerated this. Uh, we have seen the US banks being uh, even more successful. 
So um, I would say that, that the um, this whole uh, um, uh, evolution, really, this whole uh, pattern has uh, made uh, the European investment banking industry and the European investment banking players much less relevant than before, much weaker. And I think there is a, a big question mark as to their ability in the future to assist European companies well, um, and really to make sure that investors and, and companies uh, are assisted in the way they should be really taken care of uh, as they are in the UK or as they are in, uh, in the US. Yeah, and you've you've raised there one of the kind of key challenges being the, the relative strength of the U.S. banks in terms of being able to to provide the services and have that 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 kind of dominant position. Going forward, how can European investment banks differentiate themselves from U.S. competitors? Do you think? Well, I think one of the key things that European investment banks should look at is is really their um, um, their ecosystem. The, the, you know the the whole economic context in which they operate, which is uh, mostly made of uh, smaller companies um, that uh, need to access markets. Um, and I think that the Europe needs desperately strong capital markets for, uh, for its companies. Uh, and the US uh, investment banks are not interested in assisting those smaller companies. They have been so successful at getting the most profitable part of the business um, that they really do not uh, care about publishing research or uh, executing IPOs or executing small advisory mandates or even uh, doing sales and trading for uh, smaller companies, uh, which is really the heart of the matter. And it, it is the reason why um, the crisis of European investment banking is a problem for our, for our continent. Um, and I think European investment banks should focus on some of these smaller caps, um, provided that they get also the necessary support from institutions so that business in with smaller caps becomes profitable. Because the problem that we have also seen in Europe is that obviously um, sales and trading or advisory or IPOs for smaller companies is not always very profitable. Sometimes in, in certain cases, it's even loss making. And this is something that institutions need to realize, particularly European regulators. Uh, there may be uh, some um, uh, assistance required from regulators also in, in terms of uh, tax benefits or tax advantages. Uh, but that's one way for um, European investment banks to uh, differentiate themselves. And there's no doubt that whereas we will not see a sizable European champion really competing head to head with the uh, global banks, we can see a lot of uh, smaller, successful, um, possibly local, possibly pan-European uh, investment banks that will execute this business, focusing also on the, um, on the smaller uh, size of uh, uh, companies and investors. Mm. So you, you've suggested that, you know, the idea of focusing on those smaller and medium-sized enterprise, enterprises being a key area for the banks to focus on. And I guess that's so important in the current climate, you know, in the context of, of the pandemic. But are you optimistic about the future for European investment banks in terms of being able to, to, to do that, to focus on those smaller and medium sized enterprises and more generally being able to kind of re redevelop the, the kind of the ecosystem and the scale that they've previously had? I think they must, uh, Marie. The, the problem is that the, 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 the battle to win 
on uh, large-scale investment banking is lost and has been lost for quite some time. Uh, Europe needs uh, brokers, it needs investors, it needs investment banks. Um, smaller companies need those players to be healthy. Um, and therefore, um, both you know, market operators and, as I said, regulators will have to uh, focus on those areas uh, by necessity. So I'm optimistic that they will have to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm less optimistic that it will be uh, good for them unless it becomes uh, also a priority for uh, regulators and institutions to make it profitable, to uh, rewind some of the things that have been done in the past, like MIFID II, the infamous unbundling of research, uh, making sure that countries can give tax benefits to people publishing the research on small companies if this is not a um, profitable activity, making sure that there are active investors uh, that can take decisions and invest in uh, IPOs um, because passive investors don't do that, uh, making sure that there is a lot of uh, focus on uh, the public markets and less focus on the private markets that really have taken so much share of uh, uh, investors' attention. So if all of these things happen, I think that there is a good chance that the European best investment banking will become more successful focusing on those areas. Uh, but it needs a lot of effort uh, also from regulators to um, acknowledge the problem and act on it. Mm. Clearly, clearly a lot of challenges there. But notwithstanding all of that, what is your assessment of how the European investment banks have performed and served corporates during the, the, the pandemic in recent months? I think they've done relatively fine, Marie. They, uh, um, all of them managed to work pretty effectively uh, in remote. Um, to be honest, you know, speaking also for Equita, we did not know how it how it would it would work until actually it happened to us, um, and it worked fine. And it worked fine for us and for most of uh, our colleagues and competitors. Um, so we assisted investors. We managed to keep our focus on companies. Uh, a lot of European investment banks are also within large um, universal banks. So they also provide lending and they actually were instrumental in keeping a lot of companies afloat, in assisting governments in their plans to uh, support companies. So I think overall they've done fine. They were obviously stronger uh, to face this, this crisis than they, they were in 2008. Um, and they, I think they have really put a lot of effort to, um, to cope with the crisis um, and they should be given credit for this. Thank you, Andrea. Some really interesting points raised there. I'm afraid that's all we have time for for this particular podcast. But um, listeners can keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast, as well as following our discussions at thebanker.com forward slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.